Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Good to be back, gang. Even better to be alongside Iron Mike Carlson. Season's greetings, big man. How are you? I'm good. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I had a great Christmas. Uh, I love Christmas. I, mean, I got I got to admit, I never I never get tired of it. And all this Uncle Scrooge business uh, from so many people, you know, complaining that they're trapped with their families on Boxing Day and that kind of stuff. Man, go, go away. It's such a nice time. I, I really like it. I'm with you 100%. A man who's tired of Christmas is tired of life or something like that. You'll be proud of me. Um, well, proud of our house collectively, I think, Mike. Um, the over-under on how many times we were expected to play Christmas in Harlem by Louis Armstrong was 29, and we comfortably <laughs> beat it on Christmas Day. Comfortably. Yeah, I get tired. That's the one thing. I, I may be getting old now. I get tired of my Christmas media. I have Nat King Cole, and I've got Great, man. Smokey Robinson, and, and the Drifters. And the Bit of Fats Domino. You've got a Fats album. Domino in there? Fats has got no, some I don't Christmas have Fats numbers. in there. And I've got one that I put together myself with... Bing Crosby and Dean Martin and mm. Frank Sinatra, stuff like that. Judy Garland, which the is swingers. fine. But I, I get tired of them quickly. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I used to play them the week before Christmas and maybe a couple of days. And now it's kind of like just Christmas Eve, and, you know, Christmas Day. And then let's let's just get to. In fact, I've got a, I got a hot I'm take straight off, straight off the bat with that. We're talking. Actually, you know, I might go as far as to say if we're talking. Christmas power rankings in terms of artists. I might have Dean Martin at number one. I might I might put Dino right up there. I, I still have Nat King Cole at number mm. one. Um, Fair. 
you know, apart from like the little the little boy that Santa Claus forgot, where he narrates part of the story, I mm. said, sing, sing, don't talk, sing. <laughs> do you well um, up for that one? I bet you do a little bit. I bet the yeah. Carlson so is well up. Yesterday, I was here by myself, uh, Christmas uh, Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day afternoon, and it was kind of a bit dour. The sun had gone away, mm. and I had the Christmas tree on, and Bonner I right actually open. listened. Sibelius's first and seventh symphonies, his first and his last, and that was perfect. I, I just got so mellow then. It was it was nice. So um, it will know. probably surprise you, Mike. It will surprise you. Yeah, exactly. That that I I am a uh, Sibelius maybe number two in my Christmas power rack. <laughs> Seriously, I'm a, I no, I, I I I I with you on Sibelius at this time of year, a hundred. But that I didn't think this pod would get into Sibelius after three and a half minutes, Mike. But that's what you get yeah, with. I'll with tell you what. Mike. Yeah, you go can on. go all through the internet and you won't find another NFL pod that mentions it. <laughs> yeah, you go. That's what you're buying, gang, with me and the big man. There is so much to talk about. It feels like we've had football for the last seven what straight What a great weeks, week. I mean, oh. much as I hate being distracted from Christmas by all this football, I mean, <laughs> this has been a great week of football. All all the big stories, you know, yeah. all the games, uh, a couple of great matchup games, um, meaningful ones, and, and a lot of it what they would call in football, football incident. <laughs> oh, the match was full of incident. <laughs> oh boy, indeed. And uh, unsurprisingly, given that buildup, uh, a retrospective analysis of what we've seen in the last uh, few days, we've got a bumper, Tassian Cavani mailbag iron, which is very exciting. So uh, we're yeah. going to try and get to as many of those. You know, can. Ben, ben and I, Ben and I did the, out of that mailbag. Oh, well, yeah. you, <laughs> you've got you something to live up to. Oh, man. God. Yeah. All right. He's laid down the marker. Shout out to Benny took, Zellini for stepping in last week so valiantly. You took him. I'm sure you did. I yeah. Seb, wouldn't have it Seb any other sent way. Me, Seb sent me the question. So basically, mm. I didn't wait for Ben to lead into them. He he would do a thing. And then I said, but in the Passion mailbag, yeah. it went great. <laughs> yeah. I got so a very I'm different good. message from Ben after the show. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, let's spin the NFL roulette wheel, shall we? And see where we land first. Um, I think we used to have a roulette sound then, but of course, no propo once again. He's probably still drunk from Christmas Day, frankly. So it's just me and me and Mike on our own here. So why don't we start with the top two seeds in the business right now? The Baltimore-San uh, Francisco game. Oh, yeah. The Ravens' impressive yeah. win. I mean, that was the, the headline act, wasn't it? Instrumental, of Are course. Are you sure propo's not still drunk? From Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, very possibly. Or from last Christmas, I think, quite conceivably. But the, yes, um, you're absolutely right. That It, it was it was a great game. Um, it was. Let, we got to, to- yeah, we got to start with the, with the look, you you messaged me just before we we kicked off the show. And uh, in fact, referencing our, our Passion Cavalier oh, mailbag this week and pointing out a few questions you wanted, wanted to look at and said, uh, and the inevitable MVP conversation, we will get into that. But I want to start with, well, one of the protagonists in that MVP race, and Brock Purdy, because it was a rare misfire game for him, wasn't it? Four interceptions, and a couple of them were tipped, of course. Um, why the Brock meltdown might break down, why Purdy's been so fluent for much of his career, and then this was by far the worst game of his career. What went wrong? Um, I think the main the main factor, and it was especially bad once Trent Williams went out. Right. Um, and that that reinforces my Trent Williams for MVP argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they've lost all four games when he's when he's out. Um, but it was Baltimore's pressure. And and you have to credit Baltimore for you know a really good defensive game plan. But they they beat up on the 49ers line and we all 
I think, heard the stat either during the game or it's been talked about. We talked about it, I think, on the podcast last week about Shanahan's fourth quarter record. When when they're down by eight, he's never won a game in the fourth quarter. When they're down by three, and with the 49ers, when they're down by three, he's won one. Mm. Um, because, and, and it plays into what happened in this game, because if they have to pass, the play action game becomes much less effective and their quarterback has to play from drop in a drop back. And their line is not that good at pocket protection. They're, they use a moving pocket. They use play action. The linemen are mobile and it, it hides, it hides that, that single weakness. And the Ravens certainly took advantage of that when the score got kind of one-sided Hamilton interception was a bad he didn't see Hamilton and part of the problem there is that Hamilton is is a classic well not a classic he's a box safety the Mm. weakness in Hamilton's game has always been pass defense but he's mobile he he can move you know unlike some other big safeties who you know who have more trouble cover cover like linebackers uh, Jamal Adams for example Mm -hmm. but when you get near the goal line that weakness disappears so he i don't think was thinking that hamilton was going to be back there he was expecting hamilton to be and hamilton kind of comes out from behind the receiver and gets the pick in fact darnold's pick was almost exactly the same Mm. um at the goal line almost exactly the same thing happened so you know bad read bad mistake you said the two two other picks are tipped um, you know, the one maybe he's a little too casual on the one that's tipped as it comes out of his hands. Mm-hmm. The next one, the receiver's there, uh, goes through his hands, gets yeah. gets tipped out of his out of his hands. And then the fourth one was a really bad pass, just a misfire behind mm-hmm. behind McCaffrey. So yeah, I, I'm not gonna write off Brock Purdy because of this game, you know, and also remember that he's only He's a second-year quarterback. He's going to have games where he makes mistakes. It's just that the combination of ingredients there was it was the worst formula for San Francisco. Yeah, that's brilliantly broken down. One other component that we haven't mentioned, which Carl Shanahan was was clear to mention in the post-game presses, was Purdy's injury. He suffered a the stinger. I think he was going into the game with it, and it was aggravated with uh, a, a, a sack late on or a hit later, later on in the game. I think it was Clowney's hit on him later on, they said, was the one that aggravated it. Did you get a sense that he was playing, every player at this stage of the season is carrying some kind of knock, right? That he was particularly impaired. Did you, did you feel that? Um, it didn't seem that way, but in retrospect, you could look at it and say, well, maybe he was trying to place the ball a little too much, um, but he was firing the ball. The, you know, the intercepted ball, the first one was a, he fired that yeah, pass. It, was bullet, it yeah. wasn't like an, e- an easy one. I, he was also under a lot of pressure. Yeah. The second part of the equation, Baltimore put a lot of pressure on him. He did a pretty good job of standing up against it, you know, scrambling away. But I mean, he made a couple of um, what would you call them showboat plays that didn't amount to much, but you know, he had, a, he had a behind the back pat lateral mm. um, when he was really under pressure, you know, nothing much. And he had one play, which really impressed me they were trying to set up a screen for McCaffrey, a throwback screen and Baltimore sussed it right from the start. So he couldn't throw it. So he turns back and McCaffrey then runs forward and he completes the pass to McCaffrey on the other side of the guys who had sussed out the screen. It was like, <laughs> I just thought that should have gone for a touchdown. It was that's such, ca- a, that's such a great stuff. piece of, uh, of yeah. improv. 
But you see, McCaffrey had 100 yards rushing, but you see, yeah. it didn't make a difference. Um, it didn't make a difference in the game. You know, they they couldn't keep rushing. Um, he got most of that yard on like probably three chunk runs where he's, you know, that his sense of balance and his ability to squeeze himself, you know, like the tacklers there, there was one where he went between the tackler and the sideline. I couldn't see how he did it because it wasn't space there, but he, but he did. somehow managed um, it, yeah. Which affects his MVP kind well, of Well, look, let's get status, into that because you know, he's which... in there. So you've got Trent, in there, but I love the fact you have Trent on your list. He should yeah. be. But but you have McCaffrey, of course. Uh, Purdy's still in there. Uh, and of course, Lamar Jackson is now the front runner. And this actually bringing this to the number of questions we've had about it. Let's go to the passing up mailbag for the very first time because John Harbaugh, called it uh called jackson's performance an mvp performance and that has been very much all the rage in the last 24 48 hours he's now the in the box seat for for mvp and this is an interesting question straight off the bat from derek hanlon hey derek uh what are the chances the mvp will be judged over the season and not just one game i'm not saying it isn't zero. lamar uh <laughs> zero yeah is the, is the official answer i'm not saying it isn't lamar uh, but it's not purdy it's not not purdy it's not not Purdy because of last well, night, just like it's not not Dak because of the Bills yeah, game I mean, last that's week. That's true. That's true, but it's probably not. It should be. It's not not Purdy because who is the most valuable player on the Niners? I mean, they're a good illustration of the fact that football's a team game. Mm. You know, you you can win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco at quarterback or Trent Dilfer at quarterback or Brad Johnson at quarterback. Um, you know, it, it's not as quarterback centric a game as the hype makes it seem. So basically, but you might just to counter that, you, you know, you and I've worked together a long time and you have said, and it's, it's one of my favorite quotes uh, that I, uh, I will use a lot. I don't obviously give you the nod every time you use it, but you, you've said many times that the quarterback is the most influential and important position in any team. Oh, yeah. It's a given, yeah. right? So on that yeah. basis, I, I, I get it. And look, we've, we've talked a lot about, should non-quarterbacks be in the running for MVP? And McCaffrey, of course, and incidentally, that's who Derek feels is his MVP. Tyreek uh, is very much in that mix. Yeah. Um, defensive players, it's, of course, more of a stretch. But non-quarterbacks, in a season when it is, and you might argue this season is one of those seasons, right? A season where there is uh, clearly not a standout quarterback and standout quarterback play, then there's, there's more smoke around that. But unless it is, I don't know, a season of, let latter era Manning in Denver and just a, a quarterback performances that are really at that level, that like clearly under the water margin. Doesn't it stand that a quarterback should always win the MVP because oh, yeah. he's the most not influential always. position? Yeah, not always, but yeah, most of the time, because it is the central position. It is the most important position um, probably in sports. And it's the mm. one thing that, you know, defines. Now the trend is that as, as the letter said, you know, it's going to go to who has the best games in the next three weeks or yeah. last week in the next three weeks. And it may shift a, a little bit. But um, the problem is, you know, how do you separate Purdy from from McCaffrey and, and from Kittle, who had a big game? Um, you know, I think Taylor Swift might have sent an mm -hmm. email to Kittle after the game or no, an Instagram <laughs> after the game. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you know, best available, kind of like when you draft the best available player. So. Oh, just just tapping up Kittle, I see. Okay. Best available Kelsey's tight done. end. Kelsey's done, I uh, see. Um, okay. But, but um, <laughs> um, you know, how do you separate 
Tua and, and Tyree, you know, I still think Ty, of, of all the position players offensively, Tyreek probably has, has the best case, better case than McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, and But just and to your initial point, football. do you think that he, do you think that a player um, is inevitably going to be penalized in the MVP voting or should be penalized if there are other elite players around him in that team? It's, it's, it's a it's a problem for them. I don't I don't know if they're inevitably penalized because the MVP also sort of goes to guys who have really good seasons on really good teams. Um, yeah, you know, as opposed, and then you get the game manager kind of argument. But you can have, you know, if if um, if your team finishes eight and eight and doesn't well, no one team no one does now, but you know, doesn't make the playoffs, um, you're probably not going to really be in the MVP discussion, even if they would have finished two and two and fifteen without without you, you know. Um, right. But, it, but not so the coach of the year, right? It's a coach of the year. The definition that, of MVP. That's literally yeah, it. Sure, that's literally it. But a coach of the year that doesn't seem to affect as much, right? You can have a coach that no. brings up a bunch of well, they're they're going to drop to a two and fifteen record and they get to nine and seven, eight and eight. Then they're very much in the frame for, the, for coach. Of coach the year. of the year gets penalized for having a good team. Right. Even if he's built it, even if he's like the coach GM and has built the good team, right. he gets penalized for it. He also gets penalized for winning it the year before. If you if you come back and win the Super Bowl a second time, which is arguably much harder than winning it the first time, sure. uh, because your schedule, not least your schedule gets harder. You, you're never in consideration. You know, it's mm. like, oh, he got it last year. He's good. And the coach of the year is usually someone like Brian Dayball, who takes a team that no one expected to do well to a nine and seven season, you know? And I think there'll be a, a kind of not landslide, but there's going to be a movement toward Dan Campbell. Now the yeah. Lions are actually in the playoffs because that was that's one of the um, one of the stories of this week. So Campbell will get support, and and I think if Sean McVay hangs around, you know, and which I yeah. think they will, the Rams are going to be in. And if he wins a playoff game, you know, I think, but the but the vote is before would that, have been so done by then. I mean, that has got it. So many things thrown up. I want to get back to the MVP because there are a few other questions in a minute. But seeing as you mentioned, well, you mentioned the Rams. I think it was about week three or week four, Mike. I it was on a show with Propo. I said, I called one of the Rams or the Bucks, who let's not forget what everyone, most people were saying at preseason going into this season, they were going to stick the joint out. They were going to be, they were going to be that three, four win kind of teams. I called one of them to make the playoffs. I think they, they both might make the playoffs, Mike. The Rams and the Bucks could both do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Bucks, I think, yeah, pretty much look like they will. Um, and you've got to credit, you know, does Todd Bowles get any credit? No, um, but you really need to give him some. I mean, I like the way you John called Harbaugh. him Todd Bowles then as well. <laughs> That's his nickname, Bowlesy Bowles. That wasn't intention. That yeah. wasn't intention. Um, but look at John, look at John Harbaugh, for example. Mm. Um, this week, if you look at that game, you have to give a ton of credit to Todd Monken, who has the offense functioning on a different level. Lamar gets a lot of credit because his game was good in statistical terms, but great in terms of four or five plays where San Francisco had him yeah. and didn't have him because he's, he's so good at that. But then he still primarily was passing downfield. It was good because someone in the front office drafted Zay Flowers, which was exactly what they need, you know, and should be a rookie of the year candidate. Um, although Puka is probably the best, you know, the best season of all the the rookie receivers, 
And then Mike McDonald's defensive game plan was was tremendous. They really took away a lot of the stuff. They gave up big plays, but they didn't give up they they didn't give up a lot of um consistent plays, which is the weakness of the 49ers. They kind of depend on chunk plays. And they're not the only team in the NFL that, that does that, you know, who have a great record because that works much better against mediocre teams than it does against teams with good defenses, you know, who or good offenses who can play, you know, run and shoot with you. So, you know, is John Harbaugh coach of the year? He won't be. No one's even talking about it. But he could have, you know, assistant coach of the year. Both of his coordinators sure. are should be in that running. You know, it's it's a very it's a very strange dynamic that goes on. Can I tap into I know one of the have... things you mentioned on the uh, just on that, Mike, in terms of the offensive evolution uh, of the Ravens in the last couple of seasons and particularly Lamar, who is, you know, an integral part of that, clearly. The Greg Roman offense and, and Lamar's evolution as a quarterback then and now. Because this, if he does win MVP, he'll be his what, second MVP in four or five years, right? Talk, yeah, he had one his first year, right? Yeah, right. For, yeah, first, second year. So not 2019, I think. He, so just talk us through his evolution as a player, as a quarterback, and and the change in, in the Ravens offense now compared to a few years ago. What, what happened, I think, with Greg Roman, and, and remember, he ran Harbaugh's, the other Harbaugh's offense in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, right. quarterback. And he looked at Lamar as pretty much a runner first. And so, therefore, the offense was designed to create the blocking schemes and whatever that would help Lamar as a runner. And what Monken has done, which Roman, I think, tried to do but couldn't make it work, partly because they didn't have a Zay Flowers. They didn't have, a, you know, that 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 receiver who could make that work over the middle um, is to make it a pass-first offense. And Lamar's running is an additional feature of that. Um, they don't stop him from running. They still call a few designated run plays. But he has, obviously, the green light to go. And he's been very, very good about working the pocket before he goes, you know, it's not first sign of pressure. I'm not going to hear. He waits, he gets him, then he gets himself out of trouble. And when he gets himself out of trouble, he can, he can gain big chunks of yardage. Um, so I think it, it's an impressive combination of, um, of ingredients for them. And, and they're always tough. They're always physical. And that's the other thing. I think at this time of year, finesse teams tend to be at, a disadvantage to physical teams, um, you know, particularly when you're playing in weather, um, by which I mean in the Al Michaels sense, bad weather. Um, <laughs> Al's got, got a playoff and, game know, this year. See that, Mike? They haven't given Al a playoff game this year. It feels like they were, they're Al's gradually being phased out, which is a sad thing to see. Because I, th- I know he's had some real scrubs on Thursday night football, and and that tag team just doesn't seem to work. You know him and yeah, Club it's Street funny because work, it? I I think Herbie's a really good an, an analyst, but he's not lively enough. Yeah, and he doesn't he sort of doesn't give Al stuff to come back to. And Al's eighty years old, remember? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, it, it it gets hard to keep that level of artificial enthusiasm up. You know, in <laughs> in the kind of Marv Albert or Kevin Harlan <laughs> sense, where every you know in a game with Arizona, Arizona and <laughs> Washington, you know, and they they get three yards on on third and two. You know, you. Got... <laughs> Collinsworth really hyping that up. Collinsworth in particular this season is they're missing him to put him back together. It's ridiculous. Give him one more. They should put back together for a playoff game. I'd like to see that. Sorry, I went on a bit of a time. There was a letter in the in the bag. Um, yeah. 
about Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, I got it here from Matt G. So, hey, Matt. At the NC show, incidentally, is how you get in touch with us. And you'd have to wake up, uh, wait, wake up, you'd have to wake up, you'd have wait to wait for, <laughs> wait for Seb's call to action on that. You fire them in during the week. Seb will pick them up on our social channels. Um, and it's across all the different ones. Yeah. Well, so X, Insta, yeah, and Facebook. if you don't wait for the call to action, I wind up answering. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And Mike will answer it anyway. So if we don't get to your question, don't worry, because Mike will have, he's probably answered it by the time, by the time you listen to the show. Um, so this is from Matt G. Hey, Matt. Does the current state of Kansas City, plus the performance of Miami this year, further highlight Tyreek? Tyreek Hill, of course, is talking about being deserving of the MVP. Was it him making Mahomes look as good? That's a nice segue into the Kansas City-Miami game, isn't it? I exactly. exactly. Um, I'm not as dumb as I look. Yeah, <laughs> not um, just a pretty face. But, but I, I would just say to Matt, were you watching the NFL last year? Who won the Super Bowl last year? Was it Miami? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> How far did Miami get in the playoffs? I'm not, I can't remember. Yeah, but what about this year? Well, what about this year? Won the Super Bowl. Now, mm. you know, I, I I think Andy did a great job last year of compensating for Tyreek's loss and kind of what's the phrase they used in Moneyball, recreating through the aggregate mm -hmm. um, what they had lost in Tyreek. But he couldn't do it a second year because the guys, first he lost Juju. Yeah. who was more important than you think in that yep. offense. Um, and then secondly, guys like Hardman and uh, Kadarius Toney were not stars for a reason. Mm. You know, the Giants let Kadarius Toney go for a reason. And although he had a couple of good games in the playoff run, um, and Hardman had a couple of good games in their playoff run and also made a really bad mistake on a on a on um you know they they were expendable for a reason and they're playing like it this year i mean and that's uh, connected to you there as well right because you've got players like that that with a tyreek or even with a juju in the offense there's yeah. less pressure on them that you know there's less reliance on them to make big plays so when they are called upon it's uh it, you know there's a different kind of trajectory there than when they're the main guys they're the guys that have to do it or yeah, it's a bit yeah. like the old um I always think about this with, in fact, with Juju and the, the Steelers situation, Antonio Brown, right? And, you know, Brown going, every the whole dynamic of that receiving call changed back back in the day, right? Yeah. Everything, yeah, you see it true. time and again, it's right? It's true. Chase Claypool had one good year and then, you know. Right. Yeah. But with the Chiefs, it's also a question of their defense is much better when they're playing from the lead. And I think that might be this week's theme is, is you know, playing with a lead is completely different than playing. And they usually rely on Mahomes putting them in the lead and then they can tie, you know, tee off on pass rushing, which mm -hmm. make, which makes their defense a whole lot better. You saw what the Ravens, uh, sorry, the Raiders did to them. They ran the ball. Um, you know, Kazir White had 140 yards or something. What a like player that. he looks, Kazir White. Yeah, well, I mean, Azubir White. O'Connell only he didn't he only completed I think one pass in the second half. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That do you see that the stat at one point when it was just one completion. You know the green they did the green tick the red crosses yeah. graphic one one completion right at the top for like three yards and then x x x x x. Yeah, I mean, and, and they were going on about you know oh the Raiders have a great defensive line. You know, they don't. I mean, they got Max Crosby. They've got a couple of good players. Well, there. he was he but, was really under pressure though. That, I mean, Mahomes was under a. I mean, Mahomes was under a lot of pressure, pressure, but it was his offensive line. Yeah, right. And his, As his, his receiver's to, okay. inability to get open. But mm. the offensive line is a mess. 
And the tackles, Here we are once again. They lost. They let Orlando go, and they haven't been able to replace him. Taylor's awful. Um, and inside, it looks. I mean, they didn't play well inside. I thought the inside was the strong part, but Tooney. What's Tooney now? 32, 33? Tooney's starting to play like a, a guard who's, you know, Be around a, the little block, bit, a little bit. bit old. So, you know, I think there's all kinds of all kinds of problems here. They can't really open. They would be best if they could open holes for Pacheco mm-hmm. um, and they could run, you know, Andy used to run a West Coast kind of thing with Westbrook, mm. you know, not really using a fullback, using a lot of tight end motion and stuff. But, you know, that's interesting. They could yeah. try doing something more like that. And Kelsey's probably a step slower, too. He may still be hurt to an extent, mm. you know, but just to bring um, all together, Mike, because I mean, and to put some numbers on it, because we, you know, we talk a lot about numbers where you can make stats tell yeah. any story you want, but this was really jarring. NFL.com reported this that just slapped me across the face of how dysfunctional this offense is right now. The Chiefs finished the first quarter against the Raiders with minus 18 yards, which was the worst first quarter oh, by a team. Reverse. <laughs> this is this, the worst first quarter by a team since the Bears in week 15 of 2004. That's that's how bad <laughs> the Chiefs were. It is it's head scratching that that it was Rex Grossman the quarterback. Rex, I, think, I think the great Rex Grossman might well have been. Who of course then took the Bears to the Super Bowl. So hey, what do we know? But um, the uh, so the the obvious question is with all of these problems, but with Andy Reid, one of the great coaches of all time, with Mahomes, the great quarterback, one of the great quarterbacks of all time, can they fix it in time for the playoffs? Can you see a way that the Chiefs, here we are now, week 17, whatever the hell we are, uh, can the Chiefs can turn it round, find a way to be a dangerous proposition in the playoffs? It's going, it's going to be difficult um, because I just don't think the personnel's there to do it. You know, Mahomes can always pull a few rabbits out of that. But I get the feeling when you're watching Mahomes is pouting on the sidelines the last couple of weeks, there was a play where Mahomes made a great play, escaped the rush, and, you know, threw, threw downfield and it was complete. And one of the linemen kind of was patting him on the helmet. He ignored it completely. Mm. It was kind of like, you know, I had to do this because you can't protect me, that kind of yeah, thing. Right. Um, and, and the other thing is. Do you mind that, Mike? Do you mind, seeing, do you mind seeing that from a player? Because we saw a bit, for, you know, um, Brady and quarterbacks when they're. Or is it is it how frequent it is it becomes the problem if it, if it's every now and then fine but I didn't like it I didn't like it when my quarterback college directed it or didn't, <laughs> sure. which was frequent presumably <laughs> wouldn't even let me talk to him yeah what do you mean um, he wouldn't let you talk to him well there was a play our first we went undefeated and then our next year our first game we're up at Middlebury and it's Indian summer and they pretend that we didn't we weren't supposed to wear our white road jerseys which were mesh and they gave us their blue spare jerseys which were heavy you know rubberized winter jerseys and i lost eight pounds in that game <laughs> um but but they were defending our best play really well because i would run a, a flag and the fullback would go into the flat our fullback was our best player and he would get the ball most of the time and he was covered and Pete, the quarterback, lofted one up to me and the safety came in front of me from out of nowhere and intercepted it and I came to the sidelines and I said, look, Pete, what they're doing is the corner's coming up to take Dave and I'm open, but I'm only open until the safety gets there. So if you get the ball early, you know, we got a game. And he said, fuck off. 
<laughs> get out of here. And and then after the game, the coach who loved him, you know, was saying, you know, we have players on the team telling, you know, other players it's their fault. Oh, you got called like out by coach Carson. Uh oh. <laughs> He's looking at me and I'm yeah. saying, well, I didn't it's anybody's fault. It's just this is what they're doing. I love you know? it. Something's never changed. The other thing with the Chiefs, the hmm. simple thing with the Chiefs, and, and Matt's right in one sense. You had to you have to double Tyreek Hill. W- one of the major points of his value is that you have to double him. It, it switches your defense around. That meant it was very difficult for anyone to double Travis Kelsey. Mm. And that's where Kelsey thrived because then they, you would play zone and Kelsey could find spots in zone. Kelsey's being single covered this year. Mm-hmm. You can get away with that. And that means that your other receivers are facing more coverage. There's more defenders available to make it life difficult for them. And Rasheed Rice is going to be a good player. Mm. No, no question about that, you know. But Watson is Watson's good possession receiver. You know, but obviously a number three kind of kind of guy, and you know, it's, it's, all, gonna, it's a long haul. It's, it's a, a long it's, haul. It's them. a long shot for them this season. Well, let's look ahead, Chiefs fans. If it's not too premature to next to, to next season, or at least the off season, and just connect a few of those threads together. Martin's got in touch with us. Uh, hey, Martin, do the Chiefs trade up in the draft for Harrison? That's Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, the son of the the, the great Marvin Harrison, the Colts legend. Yeah. Uh, who is one of the the top prospects in the he, the twenty twenty four? Yeah, draft. he's he's really he's really good. He's going to go very very high. I doubt it. Um, we'll pick up a free agent wide receiver. He asks as well, and who would they even get? So, that's a uh, question. I'm not. I haven't actually gotten into looking at who are who are free. Devontae Adams is probably going to be available because um, the Raiders situation is. It's funny though. He. Uh, he um, complained about not getting the ball. And of course he didn't get the ball in the big upset um, that they had this week because they were running, they were running it all the time. Yeah, um, I'm just having a look. So, okay. So you've got Mike Evans, uh, Odell Beckham. Cause of course he only signed a one year deal, didn't he? Uh, Curtis Samuels in the mix. Yeah, they're not sort of massive names. It's not a great group. No. I mean, Evans is a great receiver, but I'm not Hollywood sure. Brown, answer, Ridley. Answer to, who Hollywood Brown? Yeah, no, forget it. Ridley's good, um, but yeah, I mean you're not going to find Tyree Kill Higgins. type in there. T Higgins in, is like he's different to Mike Mike Evans, but Evans is a downfield receiver because he's so big. You know, he would have been a great fit on the Chargers, to, and he's had a great career now. You know, he's he's just racking up the thousand yard seasons. You know, yeah. and, and you can see Baker Mayfield will go to him when he's covered, even if he's got an open receiver somewhere else. <laughs> the old Megatron um, trick. Speaking of Baker. So maybe, Mike. but it's but it's not worth it. You know, there will be receivers in the draft mm. that they can get. Um, you know, it's not worth giving up the draft capital. And I don't know how, you know. To trade up, you mean, for Harrison? Because yeah, I guess the argument I mean, here is that Harrison is they have to trade is up a, a long way. A long you know, way. They're going to be, be, third, probably gonna be around 20, somewhere yeah. around 20 yeah, probably. yeah. 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 So it's a lot of a lot of stock. It's a fair point, but I guess the argument is that Harrison, as much as you can tell, and people said this about Jerry Judy, and he's had a, I guess, a, a difficult start to his career given the given the uh, expectations. That, but Harrison's a sure thing, right? They're saying he's one of these well, players that will just. I, I, yeah, I don't know how many receivers are a sure things. Mm. You you just made the good point about Jerry Judy. You know who was the best receiver? Just you know where was Justin Jefferson taken by the mm. Bikes? Was was it 16, 17, something like that? Le- lower than Judy, anyway. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's 
it's partly fit as well. You know, is is he going to be the a fit for what yeah, you want seconds. to do? Twenty second. Okay, mm. I was, I was close. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really see that. You know. Mm. Uh, okay, just on this game before we move on, can we just give Antonio Pierce the gig now? I mean, he's surely done enough to win. That's it. That that's an interesting question because um, it's trapped. It's trapped. Um, Mark Davis almost. Mm. I mean, they were, you know, we, we everyone wrote off the win against the Chargers last week. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, it's the Chargers. They're yeah. terrible. Yeah. It's the Chargers. Yeah. Um, I think, again, the internet, if you read everything from, you know, the NFL insiders and, and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's all week to, it's all what happened. They're all puppies. It, it's puppy dogs, you know, it's like what happened in the last three seconds. And that's going to, that's, <laughs> you know, that's going to be true for all time. You know, he's got, and then next week they'll lose. They'll say, Oh, they can't hire it. Yeah. As I've been saying all season, <laughs> yeah. they can't hire it. Now I think Antonio Pierce was made the interim probably because they didn't intend to hire him. They wanted mm. to be out in the open market. And I think that's true of the, all the interim jobs that have come so far. Um, and, he's, and he's a player's selected. coach as well. He's, he, he knew, yeah, he, he is knew a player's coach. Players. Now, the oh. question is, Patrick Graham yeah. had a great game as a defensive coordinator in this game. He would like to be a head coach. He's a, you know he's interviewed four jobs. Um, ex started with the Patriots. Um, the offense coordinator is Bo Hardigan. He's basically a quarterbacks coach. Started with the Patriots, um, and um, I think that. If you could keep him, you would be better off with him as the defensive coordinator and Antonio Pierce as the head coach. Because like with John Harbaugh, head coach is a different job. The head mm -hmm. coach doesn't necessarily have to scheme one side of the ball or the other. I mean, a lot of them do nowadays, but that's not necessarily the important thing to do. If you have a really good schemer defensively, the head coach can be a head coach, you know, and, and be a player's coach. And, you know, and, and part of it too, is telling the coordinator what you want. You know, it's not like you leave the quarter, the like Mike McDonald say, you know, it's like, I don't look, he said, I don't look at the defense. Right. And Vic Fangio is great coordinator. So that's okay. But, but at some point you have to sit down and I'm sure they do. I mean, he said that, but I'm sure they sit down and say, well, what do we want to do against this team? You know, how, mm. how are we going to, do we want to go off? You know, do we want to? He's got to at least yeah. know what the game plan is, even if he's not. Yeah, putting so it. I, I mean, I think you can make a really good case for Antonio yeah. Pierce. You know, you don't. Uh, John Madden, uh, Harbaugh, you know, they weren't coordinators when mm. they became head coaches. Mike Tomlin wasn't Tomlin, a coordinator sure. when he became head coach. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you have a smart coach who's a good leader, that's a lot. You yeah. know, he can bring in the people to, to. Um, to coordinate, you know, to scheme on both sides of the ball. And I think we overrate schemers, totally. you know, guys yeah. who are really, really good coordinators, but you have to look at, do they have the, the culture building, the, yeah. you know, the, the leadership ability to For be sure. a head coach. I completely agree with that. And I think, it, I think because of examples where that has been overplayed and misfired, like Singletary, for example, back in San Francisco and, but that's what everyone said about Dan Campbell as well, right? Oh, he's exactly like he's a rah-rah guy. That's a great it's it's a great example. Um, and and I mean, I'm among those who were, you know, when Gann was hired and when he had his uh, opening press conference <laughs> and the first season, you know, I was what was I I was calling him at one point the paleolithic coach of the or something yeah. like that. But he's a leader, obviously. He sets the tone for the team, obviously, and he's let 
his his coordinators do their job, you know, as best they can. And the team has been good at putting, you know, getting players to, you know, to um, do it. And the confidence that he shows that team, you know, the fourth downs early in that game that he went for, you know, some people might say, oh, God, Jared Goff's going to be under pressure. We can't do that. It's like part of the thing when you go for it, I remember saying this on one of our shows when Harbaugh went for it at the end of the game at Wembley. Mm. Um, or was it Vrabel? Vrabel was it Vrabel that went for it? Well, it was Vrabel. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It was Vrabel. Yeah. So, but I said it sends a message to the team. You have faith that they can do it. You know, and and when they don't do it, you can you know you can say or either that or you want to make the airplane and get back to the states. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it get, was like but, but think, uh, before the. I think that's the <laughs> strength. The it's flight. the strength. Yeah, it's the strength of um, of Dan Campbell, and um, you know the I loved. One of my favorite moments of the week was when um, they they felt forced to fumble uh, from Mullins and Kaminsky, John Kaminsky, tried to pick it up and run for a touchdown. And the announcers and all the people on the Internet, all the puppies were were saying, oh, you know, if Kaminsky had just picked that up, the game would have been over. Yes. And yeah, I yeah. Said, no. If Kaminsky had just fallen on the ball, the game yeah, would be yeah, over. Minnesota sure. had no timeouts. All you want is the ball. You don't yeah, need a touchdown, yeah. you know? And <laughs> yeah. and I just remember growing up, they always said, don't try to pick up a fumble, fall on mm, it. You just know? fall on it, just yeah. Just control it. Old uh, school. Especially, um, if you were, especially if you were a lineman, yeah. Now, I, go I, on, I think, ooh, yeah. go I think the, Raven, the Raiders deserve a lot of credit. And I will not mention the fact that since Taylor Swift and Kelsey's relationship went public, the Chiefs mm. are three and five. <laughs> well, if you don't mention it, that's fine. I won't ask you about it. We'll, we'll clear on that. Hey, I've got another question from the Passiak Avenue mailbag from Colin Robson. Hey, Colin, which NFL player, Mike, is at the very top of Santa's naughty list and why? Surely it while has to be. Su- while it, we're on the subject of the Raiders. Yeah, it has to be Jack. It's and, Jack Jones' celebration. It has, to be, Jack it has Jones. to be, right? The most Raiders thing you've ever seen. It's the most Raiders thing I've ever seen. I didn't get, yeah, I didn't get to the um, the Patriot connection on the players. But, you know, Jacoby Myers had a great game. Right. Um, you know, the Patriots the Patriots let him go. Brandon Bolden, the Patriots yeah, let yeah, go. Yeah. They, ran, they ran the same two-point play the Patriots ran against Atlanta in the Super Bowl where the quarterback jumps up and with his hands in the air like the snaps going over his head and the up back takes it forward. Yes, yeah, bold, yeah, sure. Bold. But yeah, Jack Jones, who the Patriots <laughs> let go because he's too much trouble, his yeah, second sure pick not. six in two weeks yeah. and he takes the ball in over to the sideline and some kid is going, oh, <laughs> he's going to give me the ball, he's going to give me the ball and he puts the ball out and then he takes it back. It was the scummiest thing I've ever seen, I think, in, in on a football field. Um, and I, I I mean, there are a lot of people who could qualify for bad stuff. You know, um, uh, Kareem Jackson, you know, who's back on the practice squad for all those cheap shots. He said he spent the whole year going on and off suspension for cheap shots, you know. Um, now, Jones has defended that, himself, Mike. Have you seen this? So Jones went on uh, social media uh, following the game. Incidentally, his... his um, Social he had handling. to grab a shovel. He had Pre- to grab a shovel and dig, dig the grave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. President Jack is his uh, handle, which I love. And it seems to be a picture of him. I think he's he surfing. I don't know. Anyway, um, I didn't snatch the ball from the kid. It was from this dude who tried to, to take it. Watch it again. And uh, it says we have to this, go, this article. We have to go to the replay. 
Well, apparently you do. And well, why didn't he give it to the kid after he snatched it away from the dude? Doesn't qualify that uh, part of it. Um, it says this article anyway says, and this is sportingnews.com, which I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure kind of how we feel about how we feel about it. Uh, a closer inspection, says sportingnews.com, or the, the journalist writing it, reveals a rogue arm was coming in over the child's right shoulder. So there you go. Um so it appears Jones was, was in the spirit of giving. He just was making sure the gift made it isn't, to its intended recipient. Yeah. This isn't Dak Prescott missing the handoff to Hunter Lepke. You know, <laughs> you could put the ball in the kid's hands, you know, and tell the guy to, to get lost. I um, I don't know. I'm, I don't quite buy it. But, you know, Jack Jones, they made a good <laughs> point. He played for Antonio Pierce at the University of Arizona. Oh, yeah, right. And Jack Jones is a first-round talent. Mm. who has been unable to stay on the right side of coaches and team, and which is why the Patriots finally let him go. Uh, it wasn't about carrying the gun to the airport um, and trying to get it on the plane. It was about like missing practice or not doing something he's supposed to do. And they finally just ran out of patience and, you know, but he's a top talent. I mean, mm. you know, as, as these, these things show. So yeah. maybe we're ganging up. Yep. intriguing oh. player jack jones well we know we, we it was the the singularly the most raiders uh touchdown celebration of all time and I, it's going to go into my top five it's not, not joe horn levels but it's in my top five right let's talk about you know, miami you know when the harlem globetrotters throw the bucket of water and, and it turns <laughs> out what? it's all confetti ah uh, there we go maybe he got the ball after if you know what happened to that ball i bet surely the kid has been given like full raiders merch and everything else and jack jones i'm sure will have Hopefully. made it right yeah this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, now, let's talk Miami taking down Dallas. Because all the haters, Mike, are saying that Miami can only beat teams with losing records or have only beaten teams with losing records. 
they beat Dallas and then the same age is saying, yeah, but it's just Dallas. They're flaky. They're not, not really legit. Do they have a point? Is Miami one of these teams that is? I think, I think there is. I think there is a point there. Um, and I think it applies to both teams. I've been grouping mm-hmm. them together because, right. you know, Dallas took a long time to beat a team with a winning record. Miami beat Dallas. But Dallas, remember, is 7-0 at home mm-hmm. and 3-5 and on the road now. And Miami, I think, is also 7-1 and one at home. Um, so, you know, they're both teams that are much, much better at home than they are on the road. Um, I, I I think Miami deserve a lot of credit because they, you know, Waddle went out. Yeah, um, that's a high ankle sprain, incidentally. So he might be gone for yeah, a little while. And I think Hill, although Hill didn't make the kind of spectacular big plays, he made the key play of the game, which was that little hitch run. Um for, for a key first down. But, yeah. But Miami's defense, I've also been saying this for weeks, is Miami is a defensive first team. They're mm-hmm. they're almost a classic Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. And that's not to down that's not to downgrade to um at all. I'm not I'm not doing that. But a team that's going to play really good defense and hit a couple of big plays. Um and then once if you get into a spot where they have to chase you you're you're in big trouble because they can mm. rush the passer really well um Fangio you know it's no it's no coincidence Van Van Ginkle is playing is he isn't playing much better he's getting much better much more noticed mm. um because he's schemed really well in he's a good player and has been but but because he's not like a a really um um talented pass rusher in the sense of great moves and strength he hadn't gotten noticed, but he's versatile. He can do everything. I've said this on, on the show before. Dallas only got to the red zone three times, and they only got one touchdown. Miami got to the red zone four times, and they only got one touchdown. I mean, the MVP on this team was Sanders mm. um, in this game. Sanders hits three 50-plus field goals, mm. his first three, and that's why that's why they're in the game, you know. Um, and I think – they're a finesse team that will have trouble with better defenses. Um, and Dallas's defense is flashy, but not as solid. They ran, obviously they could run on them. Um, and um, Dallas is, is still a soft team. Um, and, you know, Smith went out at tackle. They moved the other Smith out to tackle, but that, that left them vulnerable inside uh, as well. The game had two of the worst defensive pass interference calls you'll ever see. The one on Wilkins was unbelievably bad. You know, he he came in, he made a clean hit, he took the quarterback down. Yeah, he took his hands away. Yeah, you know, he tried to swan dive so that he wasn't putting the weight on the quarterback, and they called him anyway. The one on Parsons that Dak kind of legislated for or argued for, I thought was. Almost as bad, but not quite. Par- Parsons took a few more steps, didn't he? Yeah, he could he have took two, adjusted. And, and D- Dino Blandino or Steratore or whoever it was <laughs> said, well, you're allowed two steps. Well, you're not allowed two steps per se. I mean, you know, it's like if the quarterback throws the ball and you're standing still, you can't take two steps and knock <laughs> sure. him down. You know sure. what I mean? And sure, Parsons is cu- in slow motion. It looks different. He's fast. He's mm. coming hard. But he can clearly see the quarterbacks release the ball. Yeah, so he yeah, doesn't yeah. have to. He doesn't yeah. have to put the contact. To make the hit. And yeah, the I agree. Down. I agree, and I'm not just being um, a Miami homer here. I agree. I agree with, with that. I think that. Yeah, and I, but I thought 
I thought they were both bad calls, and the one yeah. against Miami was absolutely worse. So I don't I don't see where this, you know, Miami's now seven and one at home, four and three on the road, and Dallas is seven and one at home and three and four on the road. You mm-hmm. know, I think both these teams will have trouble when they go on the road in the playoffs against a decent team, which is why I think Miami's. I'm sorry, um, Dallas is well is better suited to play the in the five seed than the two seed because mm. <laughs> they're going to want to play ten. <laughs> right, well, that's although that might it might work against them. That'll actually be a, a good game. And and if Miami's in the two seed, um, then they play well, probably Indianapolis or Houston or Pittsburgh, which I think they can mm. you know. At, at home, at home. They, should, they should take care of they're that. Well, have any uh, with any of those teams. It, it's Finns Ravens Sunday, of course. So that game most likely will determine the number one seed in the AFC. And as I say, Jalen Waddle most likely out of that game with a high ankle sprain. So the, the Finns going into that short stack, you know, Mike, as you're talking today. Well, that's on the road. In, that's on the road. So we'll I learn a lot. Just yeah. say I'm going to take Baltimore because they're at home. That's probably mm. uh, Baltimore actually is a better road team than a home team. Mm. They're seven and one on the road. God, go figure that. Well, so you're still going to go with them anyway for that. You're still going to take Probably, the Ravens. Yeah. 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 If Water was playing, would you change your mind? Would you have a different perspective? Oh, push me a bit. What's what's the um, what's the line on this? I, I reckon assume it's going to be it's three. Been, it's three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. I think it'll go. It's probably going to go down. I, I yeah. did that yesterday. Yeah. It, it's probably going to go down. It'll be uh, probably two land on half, land on two and a half. Maybe three. Yeah. 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 Mike, you know, as we're talking today, and you know, you've already touched on this being a recurring theme this weekend or in this uh, collection of games, but clearly it's something we've got to consider as we get to the playoffs now. A number of teams, you mentioned the 49ers, the Chiefs, struggle to chase a game. So to flip that around, which team out of the contenders do you think is is best suited, is, is built most uh, effectively to chase a game? Which team do you think will have the 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 strongest edge there is it Philly? I think I think it would be Detroit. Detroit, maybe my maybe Miami. I think that that's a a good you know teams like Cleveland depend on Buffalo maybe even too. Yeah, right. Buffalo, it's a good show. You know, team teams like Cleveland depend on you know keeping the game tight mm. using their defense. Their defense doing that. I'm I don't know. If Philadelphia is as explosive, well, they haven't been as explosive a team as they were, they were last year. Um, San Francisco, we know, have a problem because it's the, the play action offense. Dallas could conceivably do it, but like I said, Dallas plays kind of soft. Mm. Um, the Rams could conceivably do it. Um, Seattle's like Cleveland; they want to keep the game close. Kansas City is still a threat if the game, you know if they're chasing, but they, but they don't have the big play potential. So I, I would say Miami and Detroit would be the two yeah. teams that I think, and Detroit, well, Detroit doesn't have that much big play potential. I mean, they don't have a, you know, a real downfield kind of threat, but they do an awful lot with, again, with play, a lot of play action and Goff has a strong arm to get the ball downfield. Mm. Um, and God, St. Brown makes plays. Uh, I'm constantly amazed, you know, how he gets himself open and then mm. how he gets yards after the catch um, when he when he's not open. Uh, and the ground game is legit as well. Yeah, Philadelphia's game against the Giants was pretty much a, a, a good indicator. They went up, 
they went up early and then they let the Giants back into the game. It's a bit of good uh, fortune though in that, wasn't it? Because got it, got it stumbling for the pick six. You know, that's true. But I take your point. They still end back in. They should have put him to bed. What did and you Ty, make? Tyrod, you know, Tyrod is no Tommy DeVito. But the world when, I came up with, I came up with the idea of when they schedule the Jets and Giants on back-to-back games, like Sunday, Monday, or even Thursday, Sunday, the NFL ought to pass a law that Tommy DeVito can play for each team. Each team. <laughs> That's, it just takes me back to the old carnage days of Jimmy Garoppolo and his agents. It's actually come true, hasn't it? The whole, hey, Jimmy's going to win on Sunday. <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. Jimmy's going to win on Sunday. <laughs> just, Someone it has actually happened. Yeah, someone put up a picture of the Sopranos all sitting there kind of going like this um, all in a row. And it said, hey. this is Jersey, Jersey fans greeting the Washington commanders, <laughs> telling them that they, that they better not get within seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, DeVito got benched, so it might be the end of the, the Tommy era, yeah. right? Yeah, and talking about, I mean, the Jets, what were the Jets up? 27-7 at one point? Oh, that was so Jetsy. Um, it was yeah, brilliant. 27-7. And nearly threw that one threw that one away, and people were still talking about Robert Salah as being, yeah. you know, next year Aaron's going to be back. We're going to be great. Um, and Bill Belichick can't coach, but they, they just beat Denver. I mean, they came close. They tried to give the game away, but um, Denver weren't happy. His I was defense, proud of that pick. I was proud of that pick. I mean, Denver make a first down, the game's over, and Patriots mm. defense made three straight plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, schemed out, and then Ryland, who can't. What does he miss? Like six extra points and half the field goals he's attempted. <laughs> yeah, and he gets exactly. a 56 yards to win the, the walk-off. <laughs> the walk-off. Uh, let's talk quickly before we get out of Dodge, Mike, the Jags. So they drop another game. Lawrence looks injured. Well, he's officially injured. Officially, it's a shoulder sprain. He might miss week 17, but he just doesn't look right at all. They are probably the, the team that are most in free fall, aren't they? Certainly out of the contending teams in, in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I mean... Cincinnati got a couple of weeks boost from Browning, but I'm not sure that. And then Chase mm. was out this this week. I'm not sure they could sustain that. Yeah. Um, Indy got the boost from Minshew, actually for a whole season, really. Um, mm-hmm. But Indy's weaknesses are becoming evidence. And Pitt, Pittman was out um, for that game. Same kind of deal. So yeah, I, I think the Jags, who I don't know four or five weeks ago, I was saying you know the offense is functioning much better yeah. with Doug Peterson. The defense is good um not great but good you know and play was playing keeping them in games um but they're another team and i hate to say this about like petersons in general but they look they always look a little bit undisciplined Mm. um they always look a little bit like loosey goosey uh which i guess is kind of a reflection of Peterson's and it's got a good and a bad side. You know, when you think about when they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, a quarterback and who could be more loosey goosey than Foles. He had some bad games on the Mm. run in, but he had some good ones and he had a great one against the Patriots. And he was like that spin bowler, you know, who doesn't mind if the guy hits him for, for sick. It's like Joe Flacco, you know, you're going to get intercepted. You're going to make some bad throws, but you'll hit the, you know, you're going to hit a big one or two, also, and if your defense keeps you in the game, which is what Peterson's Eagles defense did, um, you know, you're all set. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't think that's going to quite work for, for Jacksonville this year, although they probably still win the division. Um, yeah. They, let me, do I which have means they'll get a four, they'll get a four, fourth seed. So they'll, 
Yeah. Do they have? Do I have their? Um, I mean, because they lost, but in Indy and um, Houston both lost as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it, yeah, they despite it, it. I mean, I guess Lawrence's injury is going to be instrumental. Well, Beathard's in... not bad as backups go, but mm -hmm. he, you know, but he's he is a backup. So yeah, they're eight and seven, and they hold a tiebreaker over both um, Houston and and. Um, Indy, so they would have to lose both their both their last games. And they got the Panthers uh, this week at home, which yeah. you would think, although hey, maybe maybe uh, almost as good as having the Giants. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And let's have a look at the or final the week, uh, the Titans yeah. final week of the yeah. season. And can we write off this whole is Bill Belichick just a product of Tom Brady again? Let's I mean, write it off, Mike. The fact that they actually won a game in Denver. Oh, hey, shocked me. Shocked me. I mean, <laughs> I was like. Captain Reno in, in uh, Casablanca. I'm shocked, shocked to discover <laughs> the Patriots could win on the road in Not Denver here. against Sean Payton. You know, I mean, I we I said it a couple of weeks ago on the show. You know, Brady Belichick made Brady early. Brady carried the Patriots late. Um, you know, and in the middle, it was a perfect kind of thing. And in the middle is where they didn't win the Super Bowls, mm. strangely enough. The irony. You know, they, yeah. they they had that great run from 2007 till like 13 or 14, you know, and, and but they went 11 and 5 when Brady was out for the season. Yeah, yeah. In that span. The Matt Castle era, yeah. yeah, yeah. With Matt Castle, yeah. Um, uh, lovely guy, Matt George, Castle. George Pickens, we were talking yeah. about. So sorry, I, I talked. No, no, it's cool. I was just saying what a lovely guy Matt Castle was. Remember when he came over for one of the London games? Oh, the yeah. Viking. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, top, top guy. Yeah. And, and I mean, one of those guys who's happy to be there, you know, never yeah. got a chance in college, um, proved he could play and was happy with that. You know, that's kind of all he wanted was to, yeah. that people know that he could play. Yeah. Um, quick mention too: Christmas presents, George Pickens. Mm hmm. Um, <laughs> He's a kind of Jack offensive version of Jack Jones, not quite so extreme, <laughs> but you know, sure. it's why he got drafted in the second round, not the first. He's got incredible talent and he's a pain to coach. He's mm. a pain to be a teammate of, but you know, they put everything right and he had a great game for the Steelers and looks like now Mike Tomlin may have a winning season after all. Well, and, Kelsey uh, Breeze, always, and Mason which Rudolph, is always yeah, a good, always a good in the thing. Yeah. I did say when we did the bet, I did a betting show. You know, mm. and said, a rival show. My whole, rival show to this one. My my whole yeah. Well, we don't we don't do the betting on ours, mm. so I I don't look at, I look at them as complimentary. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I said, you know, my my whole head says Cincinnati is gonna should take this game. You know, even with I said, but it's Christmas, and how are you going to bet against Rudolph at Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the and, gift and, that keeps on giving with Iron Mike and the Christmas gags. Yeah, so it turned out, and we should also mention Amari Cooper. Oh, what a, I mean, what a, a what a uh, game he had. Unbelievable I mean, game. You know, Joe Flacco, boy, can I throw him. Joe Flacco. <laughs> Don't take anything from the great Flacco, but Amari Cooper. Yeah, that was, where does that go down? And I mean, obviously it's a, it's a Browns franchise record, but where is it in the. That was, an, that was an interesting stat because there were still three games on the top 10 Browns receiving the games. Yeah. From the American, all American football conference Browns mm. with. Otto Graham throwing to Dante Lavelli and, and Max Speedy, uh, which I found it, there won't be many teams where the you know the the most receiving yards in the game go back to the forties. Sure. Um, but but that was um, 
he Josh Gordon had number two and number three, I think. Yeah, right. While we're while we're on the subject of coaching head cases, great players who would yeah challenge yeah. the good. But you know, um, this was the vintage Amari Cooper. Mm. Uh, you know, and it was it was just so great to see because uh, he is so talented. You know, and and he he really did. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Flacco because. Flacco's exactly the kind of guy who will put the ball up there for a receiver like him, like him to win. Mm. And he won. I mean, he was he made all kinds of catches, you know, great body control, great foot control, good jumping. You know, uh, it was it was absolutely brilliant. just one of those days. Great to see, as you say, a player that's already achieved a lot, but um, I guess has been a little bit. It, it, despite the fact the Browns are concerned, is kind of in the wilderness. And maybe that's because of the quarterback play that's been around him. But. To see a player like that just have a red letter day where everything just grooves. Yeah. It, yeah one for the yeah. ages. Just on Flacco for a mo, I saw some sharp suggest that out of the four quarterbacks the Browns have had this season, he is demonstrably the the, the most effective yeah. and the most efficient. Are you oh, buying yeah. buying that? You think they're the better? Efficient might not be the right word, but effective mm. certainly is. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's thrown for more yardage in four games than Deshaun threw in six. Sure. Um, you know, he, you're going to get some interceptions. That's part of the game. But, I, and again, I keep saying, I think we've talked about this, or maybe it was with Ben, but you know, what he's got in Cleveland is much like what he had in Baltimore except he doesn't have Jamal Lewis, who was one of the great 3.5 to 3.9 yards per carry guys. Mm-hmm. You could run 30 times a game. You know, if they had Nick Chubb, it would be a different story. But he's wow, got to carry yeah. that well, offense. They, they, they're a passing team now. They're not going to yep. be able to run the ball. Their yep. offensive line's a mess because of injury. Yeah, uh, You know, when it's healthy, it's a really, really good offensive line. Um so he has to throw the ball. You're going to get mistakes, but again, he's fearless. Um, he'll make a mistake. He'll come back and he'll throw another long ball into double coverage, you know, because it's there. And, and it's just like those days of Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden. You know, yeah. if you throw the ball long, you've got that chance of a DPI if you underthrow it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The receiver can make can make a play. And, you know, more power to them. They're a great defensive team. Jim Schwartz has taken a good, a really good defense and made it, you know, mm. great. Um, and they'll they'll be in most games. And if, yeah. if Flacco can make two or three big plays a game, you know, make a few first downs, uh, they're going to they're be the team. It's going to be interesting because they in Buffalo now, you're going to have two yeah. wild card teams that no one's really No one's going to want to face. Play. Absolutely. A buffer. My God, Buffalo, uh, as we suggested on the show, if they pick up a couple of big scalps, they're going to go in there with Swagger and Flacco. Definitely. He's just been around the block so many times. He's going to, he's not going to blink in the playoffs at all. And the experience he's got is going to be hugely influential, I think, for, for yeah. the Browns and their playoff shots. So it got it. It's, yeah, it's shaping I mean, up so interestingly, isn't and, it? Mike? And the, the Bills still aren't the Bills still aren't a, th- uh, a sure team. A sure They're thing. Not a sure thing for the to make the playoffs, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but you know, but it's looking better and better for them, you know. Yeah. They've got the Finns final week of the season, haven't they? In um in they Miami, should beat New England at home. Yeah, but then we I said that about Denver too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. And that would wouldn't that be great if Belichick could knock out two playoff teams in the last three weeks of the season? <laughs> that mean, would be that would be textbook Belichick great. to end yeah, the season. It would that be, way. you know. It, I mean, you know, you might even see him smile if someone asked him the question. You know? 
That's why I fancied him for the for the Denver game, actually. Just to uh, look, as you said, there were yeah, you, I know you did. Years, I but... forgot to mention that, but well, I saw just, that you had just because of this. I it, it, it is clearly there are there are an abject side this season, but this idea it's the same mindset, I guess, of going full circle in the show, pretty much. All of this hate on the the Bucks in particular. I was the Rams, and you've said many a time this season, it's brilliant what McVeigh's built and this young team of the Rams at the Bucks. Looking at the talent on that defense. I know, I know Baker offensively has had a, maybe his best season ever as a pro and he's parlayed himself into a into a new contract, it seems. But you look at the talent defensively, it was so disrespectful to write off the Bucks and that unit in the way that everybody was. I just had a feeling that that would galvanize and they would lay down some markers. And I, and I feel in the same kind of way, Belichick, the, the level of criticism and he's clearly at, um, a stage of the Patriots, his Patriots career, where maybe there is no way back. I'm intrigued to see how that plays out, but he's still going to dial up. They're still going to dial up some, some big games. And I just felt that that was one of those ones that everybody was saying Denver by a touchdown, easy. The yeah. Patri- and I just, yeah, they're going to be far more competitive than that. And yeah. Imagine it, it, how it, the it, Patriots would be if they kept Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and I heard yeah, someone say that. This, this week and I said yeah you're absolutely actually right. it's a good you point know? it's a good point yeah I'm like what do you um they couldn't be they couldn't be any worse could they what are you writing I'm about Pat your own column I'm not sure yet I mean, it'll be a lot of stuff about this week because there is so much to write about um and we also have San Francisco and you know at this point in the season palindromic records are really interesting so 11 and 4 San Francisco is traveling to 4 and 11 Washington mm. um and that that should be that should be a fun game to watch. The other thing is let's not get too excited about. I mean, teams that go eight, whether eight and seven now or seven and eight now, which is I think fourteen of the teams in the NFL are one or the other. You know, if they finish nine and seven. It's like the Giants last year. Let's not get, let's not get too excited about this because you know a, a turnaround is one thing and. and Concerted mm. success is, is another. Consistent success mm. is another. But you know, um, like I, I more power to Baker. Um, be interesting to see what happens when they give him a long-term contract, uh, mm. or how they try to give him a long-term contract, you know. And I, I also want to make one quick point about when we're talking contracts and Baker, because Baker's playing for a really low one on a really low one-year deal. You know, it's yeah. almost like working. Brock Purdy, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the season that Shadur Sanders was getting almost twice as much to play for the University of Colorado as Brock Purdy was getting to play for the 49ers. Yeah. It turns out at season's end, the highest football player on NIL money is Arch Manning, who's the third string quarterback at the University of Texas and is getting paid three point got paid $3.6 million this year. Which is, because he's a Manning. Which is basically four times what Brock Purdy's getting. And he's third string in college. That's unbelievable. I mean, I get the, I get obviously the, the reason why he's going to be in demand, yeah. but as a third stringer, like that, it's not yeah. like he's the star. He's probably going to, he's probably going to sign as a free agent. Some, I mean, they've talked about Ohio state, but mm, okay. I'm not sure that, but he's, he's probably actually Texas number one quarterback transferred, from Ohio, signed as a free agent from Ohio State, 
the first year of NIL because they mm. promised him a million bucks or something. And so he was like the first guy to cash in on, on NIL. Quinn Evers is his name. Um, yeah. So that, that, that will be fun. But I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous, you know, that, that the money, that the money is paid on these kind of spurious grounds, but the spurious grounds are tilted totally toward name recognition or that the the girl who's a gymnast at LSU yeah. is like number two in college sports. Yeah. She's never even won an SEC title, much less a national one. But because she's on Instagram and in her gymnastics costume and bathing suits and stuff like that, she's worth millions. She's making a big box. You know. Do you know what I um? Do you know why I keep thinking every time they refer to the transfer portal that there's an actual portal that they just get like, like, into, like yeah. Star Trek, like, like Star, Star Trek, Trek yeah. <laughs> exactly. Keep me up to Ohio State. Do you know what we we joke, Mike? In about forty years' time, that's exactly how it will be done. You just yeah. be, you'll just be transformed, <laughs> transported through the portal to. Uh, oh, you know, it'll be Michigan. it'll be even better. They'll they'll be beat. They'll beam up Archie Manning to like 1978 Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go back go back in time i wish they would just call it free agency yeah 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 this whole transfer portal thing you know transfer the free agency window is open is open yeah oh inevitably that'll come that'll come i'm mike brilliant at carlson sports is how you follow the big man on twitter and it is uh mike carlson's uh patreon column is mike carlson's patreon Patreon patreon.com forward slash mike carlson fmte there you go hey mike mte that's it yep have a happy new year happy voted for us in the um in the uh sorry i crashed your your happy new year well wishing to really yeah. and okay. and and pass young mailbag mm. oh yeah um, the winner yeah yeah who are we going with yeah the winner is um top of santa's naughty list top of santa's naughty list uh okay who gave us top of santa's naughty list uh bear with me caller colin, it was colin colin, colin, Ro- robson. colin robson there you go yeah. you are the lucky winner you get you're the, the winner uh, 25 pounds, Passyunk Avenue voucher to spend as you. Get in there on New Year's Eve, bro. Oh, smart shout. Smart shout, Iron Mike. Brilliant stuff. Look after yourself, big man. Happy New Year. I'll see you. When are we doing a show next? Are we doing it on, oh my God, we're doing a hungover one on New Year's Day? I think we might, we might be, right? Um, We'll work that out. We'll work that out, gang, off there. Well, New Year's Day is actually... Tuesday would probably be better. Here we go. <laughs> Where do you not get Not that I'm hung over, but I won't be home. Ah, yeah, I won't be home. Until, okay. if you want to do it later in the day, that's good. We'll do it on the second. We'll do it the morning of the second. It's good. We will see you then, gang, the morning of the second. Me, Ben, and Propo back for FFS and Edge Rush a bit later on this week. So stay tuned for that. Bye for now. Bye. Podcast Network. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.